This is Artist Stories, featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. I'm your host, Janae Sanchez, and today I'm with Ruben Dorame, director, choreographer, and founder of Drop Dance Studio. Welcome, Ruben. Thank you so much for just joining me today. Yo, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, awesome. So I wanted to begin by talking about your studio's inception and how did you get started as an organizer and as an artist and where are you at today with your organization? Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean... If we go down the rabbit hole, uh, it's going to be a few few different stories that will help us get here. But um, just to kind of get a brief overview of like how the studio came to be, um, I opened it in May 7, 2011. I was 21 years old, a student at the U of A, uh, taking pre-business. And um, one day, out of the blue, uh, during one of the projects for school, um, had to happen to stumble across the opportunity to uh, open up a dance studio. And I went for it. Um, it was scary. It was emotional. Um, it was it was new, exciting. And 10 years later, we're still alive and kicking. So I hope I did something right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ruben, you and your team are doing incredible work in the community, providing a safe space for dance artists to learn and experience the art of dance and movement. Can you tell us a story about why creating the safe space is important to you? So this will have to lead going back to like our high school days. Um, So um, when we were in 2007, yes, 2007 uh, at Desert View High School, me and a couple of friends uh, got together and made like a little dance crew. Uh, just to kind of like learn more dance steps amongst each other and uh, use those dance steps to kind of perform around the school or around uh, the community. And what we realized as we grew older, we really didn't have a safe space to practice. We had the school during the week, but anytime that we wanted to rehearse or practice some of our moves, we didn't really have anywhere directly to go. No dance studios would open their doors for us. Um, because we weren't like paying students. Um, so we couldn't really use their facilities. So what we would do is we would be outside in the in the basketball course, the parking lots. Uh, we would go to uh, the parks and just wherever we can find a space um, to play some music and nobody would kick us out. Uh, that's kind of where we kind of practice and, and uh, like built ourselves up that way. So as we got older, um, and I was at the at the U of A. I remember like thinking about, well, I know there's going to be generations growing up just like we did, and if I can provide a safe space like a like a facility where those dancers that are like minded like us um, can grow up and actually go somewhere versus be out in the streets, um, and that that kind of motivated us to to move forward with with everything. So me and the dance friends started the dance studio and we started teaching and and 
I think the the beautiful part of it is like just seeing so many kids of different ages be able to use the facility um, not only to learn but then also to create and yeah that's the most important part for us that's amazing I have this question that was passed on from uh, the previous host of Artist Stories. And the question is, what is your artistic route? And I know you've, you know, you've been speaking to some of the motivation behind establishing a, a studio, a space that is safe, that is generative for young people, because maybe like you and your friends didn't have access to spaces um, but can you also just mm-hmm. dig into a little bit to why did you choose to be an artist a performer a creator Ooh, okay um so i think now thinking about it um and i've been asked this question like so many times throughout the years um and just kind of like finding different ways of explaining it and um, I think the easiest way to explain it, and I know it's kind of cliche and all, but um, I think dance kind of chose me. Uh, like it, it was, it was like an accidental kind of thing. Um, so back in uh, my middle school days, uh, going into sixth grade, um, I, I always knew about dance and um, saw music videos and and um, was always interested in, in being entertained by it and watching it. But never there was an inclination to wanting to do it. Um, I was a I was a sports kid. I used to play outside all day, like basketball, soccer, baseball, everything um, that had to do with playing outside. And uh, going into middle school, um, there was a announcement for the middle school dance. And the first thing that comes to my mind is dances that happen like in the movies, Um, because this was my first uh, interaction with actually going to a school dance. So I immediately freak out. And I think that everyone that's going to go has to know how to dance (laughs) based off of my experiences with movies. Um, so I freak out and I'm, I'm kind of like stressing at this point, like there's only one week away from the middle school dance and, um, we're, we're playing outside and my friend, um, Zach, he, we, we were playing music outside and my friend Zach starts to move and currently that move or that dance style, um, back then and still to this day is called sea walking. So he starts, he starts sea walking um, outside of my house while we're just uh, chilling outside. And I just point at his feet and I'm like, hey, is that dancing? And then he goes, yes. And then I'm like, can you teach me that? Because I need to know that before I go to the middle school dance because they won't let me in. <laughs> so that, that was my idea. And um, yeah, he takes like 20 minutes to show me uh, a few steps within it. And sure enough, um, after those 20 minutes, he teaches me that and we start playing again. So um, I approached my middle school dance later on that week. And little do I know that there's other people doing the same thing. And once I see that and like the interaction between all those dancers that are like minded and, and kind of like vibing off of each other and, and spreading that energy, um, I think that's the moment where I knew it was, there was way more to learn and there was way more to it than just a basic step. And that's kind of like where I haven't stopped at all. So 
I've been dancing ever since. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. So you must have been about 11 years old, 12 years old. Uh huh. Yep. So Ruben, can you please share some of your major influences in your life also as a dancer and as an organizer? So thinking about like the different the different stages that I had growing up as a as a dancer, um, I think one of the biggest influences um, movement wise and dance wise uh, would have to be this guy named um, Sean Evaristo. So Sean Evaristo is a um, choreographer and um, he used to be a studio owner out in uh, North Hollywood and um, really looked up to him because it was the, it was the age of YouTube when it was first coming out and they, he would post uh, dance classes and and conceptual videos um, on YouTube like maybe like once a month, hopefully twice a month sometimes, but it was the thing for me to like look look up to and, and look for uh, as far as um, movement-wise because I wanted to move like him. And uh, uh, he, he played a huge role in like really influencing my style um, and the way I like to move to the music um, at an early stage. Um, and... Also, like the the dance movies that were coming out at that time. So, like, You Got Served, for sure. Um, being able to see that on a big screen, like, stuff that you're actually doing and seeing, like, uh, like, like that in a movie was, like, super inspiring and motivating. Um, and then, like, we can't forget about, like, the greats, like Michael Jackson, that, that their, their movement just, like, so, so captivating, right? And... Just to list one more, um, movement-wise and dance and energy-wise, uh, my mom, um, she always had, no matter what she was doing throughout the day before like a big party or a quinceanera or whatever, whether she was cooking, cleaning all day, prepping, um, at the end of the night, she always had enough energy to go out and dance and um, always encouraged me to go out with her and, and dance with her a little bit um, and teach me some moves. So. Yeah, she played. She she was a good influence for me as far as like just finding my my Latin <laughs> my Latin uh, rhythm. Nice, so cumbia, corridos, that type of dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, although I'll, I'll be honest, um, like I I love the music. I I love it, and um, I. I connect to it in a cultural level, but yeah, it's not my cup of tea when it comes to like moving. Cause I like, some of the steps are kind of hard. I'm like, what, how do you do a zapateada? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's great. Oh, have you done a fusion between styles? I'm sure you do in the hip hop world. I know it's, it's very diverse, right? Um, is that something you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, naturally, because uh, hip hop dance is influenced by like the black and and Latin uh, communities and and its cultures. Um, That's where it stems from, like from New York. So um, it does have origins in like um, like black and and Afro movement, as well as like uh, the the Latin movements that were in the communities at that time, like salsa and and, um, like the two steps and in the hip hop world, there's actually dance steps called like 
a salsa, a actual salsa step. So we, as, as dancers coming from that type of culture, um, although like we do like the different styles, um, within hip hop, we also like to incorporate like a little bit about who we are when we come from just to kind of stand out a little bit. That's so cool. That's really cool. I can't wait to see some of your life performances, um, which we'll get to, we'll get to talking about later, but um, Mm -hmm. maybe now is a good time for us to chat about just the evolution of the drop dance studio uh, and where you are now as an organization and maybe how the Arts Foundation has been a part of your story. Yeah, so going back to um, like when we first started um, back in 2011, um, <clears throat> we, were, we were like on such a high with the turnout for like our main um grand opening event and we had so much support um we had uh special classes we had different age groups that were coming in um and we made this big old event first for people to just kind of like come figure out who we are brand new studio uh what we represent and um we were so hungry and and eager to kind of share as much as we could because um, i mean we were young and and kind of like in our prime with with trying to create for ourselves and then also like showcase it to others so uh that first grand opening day was amazing and then came the first actual day of classes and no one showed up (laughs) so yeah so no one showed up and we kind of like took it as like oh well uh Maybe maybe it takes a day or two for people to kick in, but uh, that whole I remember that whole first week, uh, our instructors being ready and and uh, our dancers that we were working with uh, being ready, um, and then that whole first week, every single day that we would open Monday through Friday, um, we would wait outside like around five p.m. and no one would show up. Uh, and it was like, well, maybe it's a it's a visual thing. So we went out and put up signs like by the street, uh, in hopes of people finding the place. But we thought it was kind of weird because we had a huge turnout, um, and now people aren't coming. So yeah, it was a huge it was a huge like hit to to ourselves emotionally because we had such high hopes uh, for it, and yeah, literally like throughout the year that first year was very brutal and difficult for us because um, we would sometimes get a student maybe sometimes two maybe sometimes three or four just throughout the week um so um yeah it it was it was difficult i would say and um it kind of helped i think the positive outcome from that it helped us as artists really find out who we are and what we wanted to give because now all the instructors are here um, throughout the day, no no matter what, because we're ready to teach, but no one would show up. So then we would teach ourselves. Um, So it's like, well, I have have this choreo that um, I was going to teach today, but no one's here. Are are you guys down to learn it? And yeah, everyone would 
come together um, as the staff and just kind of learn from each other. And, and then we would have fun just kind of like creating videos from it. So we're like, oh, well, maybe videos will help bring people in. So then we would post to YouTube and and share it and, and try to spread it as much as we could. But yeah, that first year uh, we would have only a, a few students uh, make it to the end, which we would uh, now do like, what do we do? We do our like winter showcases and our, and our um, like our anniversary showcases where the students that come, they get to perform um, for their friends and family, right? So yeah, after that first year, I remember my parents uh, talking to me about it and was like, well, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Like you're like you're in debt and you're paying rent and you're not able to afford anything. Um, so that second year, I had to switch something up. So we would try um, more videos, uh, maybe switch up the class times and the class schedules. And sure enough, that second year uh, picked up a little bit better. And um, I think what what helped also in that transgression was we allowed ourselves to kind of be humble about not receiving students and just kind of like, like I said earlier, like work on ourselves. But then what what we started to lean more towards was like, well, if we can't bring in people for with money, let's see if we can bring in people to help the rest of the community. And that's when we started hosting like uh, toy drives and uh, like canned food drives and people would show up. They would, they were like, Hey, if I could take a, like three classes for like, um, like a, a can of food, that's awesome. So they, they would come and, and learn from us and we would be able to like, collect that those donations and and really help out the community that way um and we kind of use it as like a, a a marketing things to like hey look you took this class basically for free if you like it like this is where we're at you know um and yeah i think after the third years when we started to kind of like things started looking good and, and the studio would would start to kind of slowly start pay for paying for itself, um, being able to cover everything. So the stress of that was was kind of gone. Um, the only thing was I was not paying myself. Um, like for the longest time, I would I would take like private lessons. Um, like I, I would teach private lessons and I would like use that to supplement. But the studio itself, like I would teach like 20 classes a month to, to 30 classes a month. And I would not pay myself a dime because, <laughs> because I couldn't afford it. So, um, I would just make sure that this, the staff that was working or the teachers that were instructing, they were at least getting paid, um, for their time. And, uh, yeah, that it, it made it, it made it difficult, but I think what made it worthwhile was just seeing everyone interact in the space and um, create uh, without the worry of like what traditional dance studios would give them, which is like high registration fees and monthly fees and 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 not being able to afford all that. So um, yeah, I took a hit for myself, but I think overall it really like helped me establish what I was doing it for and who I was doing it for. And yeah, I think leading up to this year now, um, like like post pandemic, um, 
didn't didn't even know if we were going to survive the pandemic um but uh we got we got lucky enough that the old landlord kind of gave us a pass with all the rent that was due that we weren't operating uh during like the the year that we had to shut down um so that really helped us out a lot and i saw that during the time of the pandemic i was talking to my wife uh, monique and just i remember talking to her and saying like yo is this the year that we like that we close like is this the year that like we're done and i just yeah i, I and i remember like thinking about it and yeah even like getting emotional about it and uh she looks at me and she says well you can do whatever you want and i will back you up but if you don't do what you're doing who will and that's where the kind of like sense of like um responsibility um all these years led me back to why I did it and who I did it for um and it kind of grounded me in a moment of like despair and and anxiety and uh i've always talked about in the previous years like hey maybe becoming a nonprofit would work and i would get so many um like people tell me no that's not the way to go and it's not going to work out and it's really difficult to do and you got to pay so much money to 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 be able to become nonprofit and um and uh i just remember like not going for it because of that and then so when when that situation kicked in with with me and my wife telling me uh that i should just if if i don't do it who will that's when i kind of like went full force in going for the incorporation to become a nonprofit and i think the pandemic and like shutting down was a blessing in disguise to allow me to do that because i am so busy like during that time i had nothing else to do no dancing no no creating so it allowed me to like really focus and hone in on that and just like put my all into that and luckily i hopefully i did it correctly cuz i mean we became incorporated we got the nonprofit and we're officially 501c3 and uh yeah so uh like super appreciative of like everything that led us to this point and yeah that's kind of like where the where the foundation kind of helps us like the Tucson Arts like I remember being so confused about like how grants work and how are we going to receive more money? I mean, we don't want to force the parents that are already paying money to like donate even more now and um that's why Monique Garcia um she's she's one of our she's our fundraising manager. She she helped us out a lot and kind of connected us to to like all the different types of organizations that help out and slowly but surely we've we've been receiving grants that have helped us stay afloat and be able to even prosper a little bit more as a nonprofit. Incredible. That's just an amazing, inspiring story and I think it's just a, a beautiful mm-hmm. arc uh, as far as the way that you ended up as a as a nonprofit and you know with your your wife's um, inspiration as well getting to the heart, right? Uh, like the soul of why, why the, mm-hmm. or why the drop studio 
exists and how it exists. And I'm so excited that the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona it can be a part of that story as you all are grantees of the Project Creosote Organization Grant. And so I just want to mm-hmm. let our listeners know that Project Creosote Cycle 2 for organizations and those organizing in the arts is open with a deadline of December 1st, 2021. We also have a bilingual application process in addition to uh, an option for call-in applications. So if you are experiencing limited access to the internet, but you have a phone, you can call us and we will work with you to get your application ready and turned in right before the deadline. So if you would like more information on Project Creosote Cycle 2, please visit our website. We're also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find posts that talk about all of the opportunities that the Arts Foundation has to offer in this moment. So Ruben, thank you for uh, allowing me to do a little plug. We love to learn about our grantees uh, and how you know, the work that we do at the foundation has had an impact on real lives and community members uh, and just making our arts ecosystem that mm-hmm. much stronger, that much more beautiful and rooted in, in community. So again, thank you for that. What is moving you in this moment? And when I say moving, mm-hmm. you can think about it literally or artistically, emotionally, Oh yeah. So I'll do, I'll do like two explanations. Cause, um, I think moving for me is it, it goes beyond just physical, but it's also like mental and emotional. Um, but, uh, right now, uh, physically hip hop, anything hip hop. I love hip hop music. Um, that's why I'm like the hip hop instructor here at the, at the drop dance studio. Um, I just love like the energy that it has. And um, especially now with a lot of uh, artists that are kind of going backwards and and trying to sample old songs that I I listened to when I was growing up. um, That's really cool to see because it's kind of like a flashback. So um, any of the new artists that are kind of doing that type of vibe right now they're they're taking the old samples and making them new and refreshing them and and doing their thing with it like just hearing a song like that like i don't care where i'm at or what i'm doing like i'll get up and try to feel it you know i'll try to i'll try to get some movement in there um so yeah hip-hop for sure um and then uh like artistically right now is actually the young generation. They're so inspiring. Um, we actually have a, uh, well, we have two teams here at the studio that we focus on professionally developing. And we have our drop varsity team, which is our high school team, uh, ages, uh, I think, 12 to 18. And then we have our drop fam, which is our professional um, adult team that we also take to performances, uh, mainly more competing and 
and uh, doing other shows as well. But the younger generation, oh, they're they're coming for our jobs. They're they're doing something right because, or we're doing something right because, uh, like a lot of our our young movers, they're. Uh, I mean, we say in our world, but they're creating fire and and their 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 hunger to want to create, but with the intention of just dancing and feeling music amongst each other, like is it reminds me of how it was when we started. So when I see that without having to implement it or or direct it, it it's so inspiring to me and it, it just moves me like like to the core because like i feel like there's a strong uh foundation that is being created for this studio to run not only for another 10 years but hopefully another 50 you know and even when i'm like old and can't get down anymore like there's gonna be people like still pushing pushing it forward and, and pushing the community forward yeah and 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 I think the the important vision right now, like moving forward, because for me it was always to be, how do we make the studio successful? Um, but now, as I see the younger generation, like like coming up and and really doing their thing and and being happy, uh, dancing and stuff. Um, yeah, creating that fire. Uh, like my my now my motivation. Um, my literal motivation for getting this to keep going and for it to become a nonprofit was to give them opportunities aside from a location now, because now they have that home. Uh, what can that home provide and how can they like flourish as they grow up and create opportunities for themselves that we didn't have, you know? So like, um, like one of my main goals is to like have the professional teams be like why can't they be like other professional uh dance troops that are out in like la or vegas and and they get paid to rehearse like i i want to see that happen here for those kids where they can come and have fun and and rehearse and and train but they're getting paid for it and it could supplement their their income to to help them like succeed in whatever they need it for or for for school or for college like it, it's the possibilities are endless for that and and um, I think uh, allowing the the nonprofit to really do its thing with hopefully finding more funders and and of course working with more grants like like you guys um, it allows us to take big leaps now into that direction versus baby steps. <laughs> Amazing. This has been such a pleasure. I so appreciate you taking the time, Ruben, to be with me today. This has been Artist Stories with Janae Sanchez, featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. To listen to more podcasts, visit kxci.org. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. Music for this podcast was created by Jonathan Rodriguez. 